0: Good morning, Valley. Good morning. Oh, we're getting it. Good morning, Valley. Good morning. God has truly been uh, so good. Yes. Um, we had a great weekend this weekend. How many people knew we had a fall retreat here for college students? I want to tell you, Pastor Mike has a wisdom like no other. When we're planning our preaching schedule, see, he just started laughing. Barry, I think the 30th would be great for you. As a preacher, I'm saying, okay, I love to preach. Didn't know Fall Retreat was that weekend. But God was so gracious. Uh, We had over 40 students here. They actually slept here. My wisdom was, I'm going home. Come on. I'm 245 pounds, that air mattress has nothing. <laughs> it would have just hit the floor. But Pastor Mike, he stayed with him through the night. I don't know if he went home. Miss Vicki, did he come home? He stayed. And so we thank God for pastor Mike and all that God's doing here 40 young people um, and then they learn how to share their faith solarium cards Rachel had a group of them taught them how to share their faith when they go back to campus they're ready to share Christ with others that's something to be excited about That's something to give praise to God for because God is really working here at Valley you guys need to be excited about all that God's calling us to a lot of times we get complacent we act like God's not moving but God is moving and he calls us to be a part that's exciting to me so I'm grateful uh, to be here at Valley today I'm grateful for my assignment and so Without any further ado, uh, we're in our series on stewarding. Uh, I get to talk about stewarding our minds. Uh, I'm going to read the passage, uh, part of the passage, and then we'll pray and we'll jump right in. Sounds good? Okay, I'm the type, I need you to talk back to me. Are we okay? Amen. Amen. You give me a couple of those, we'll be out of here real quick. Now, if you make me take my jacket off, that means I got to work a little bit harder. So that means we may be here a little while longer, amen? Amen. Oh, y'all got it. Oh, y'all got it. Uh, The word of the Lord starts in 1 Corinthians 1. I read 18 through 15 if you have your Bibles. I have the CSB version. It may read a little different than yours. Uh, It reads beginning at verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the wise who is wise? Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the wisdom, world's wisdom, foolishness? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord is blessed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come right now asking God that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your truth. Uh, Let it fall on good soil so that it would bring a harvest of righteousness. I pray that we would understand your wisdom is greater than any man's wisdom. Help us to walk worthy of the calling that you have for each one of us. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, If you can turn me down just a little bit, I got a big mouth, and I really don't want to scare everybody in here, because I get excited when I start preaching God's word, so I I just need to be down a little bit. Uh, We're going to look and see the wise side of the room. I have a problem. I like old cars, right? And in my old cars, there's this dashboard, and it gives me all kind of indicators, right? And I have a person that sits in my car that when the gaslight indicator goes off, they feel the need to point to it. How many people know that the gaslight indicator is not an indication that you have to go get gas right then and there? If you believe that, raise your hand. Hey man, we got some real wise people in here. All right, on the other side, if you see that light, how many people think I've got to find the nearest gas station or I'm going to run out of gas? Raise your hand. Yeah, raise yours high, little lady. I have somebody that helps me understand the indicators on my car she says they tell you something and that one's telling you we can't pass too many more gas stations or we're going to run out of gas and my retort is it's my car i know how far we can go by god's grace i have not run out of gas yet (laughs) i believe after this message i may run out of gas But our minds, we have what I call indicators. And God's put it in our hearts. It's like the check engine light. So that we recognize there are some things that are happening in our life that we need to pay attention to. There are some things that are happening in the church of Corinth life that they needed to pay attention to. Put up the next slide. We have all kind of voices, all kind of voices trying to tell us what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. Now, in a room like this, they tell me our minds wander, right? Because we have so many files that are not closed. Yeah, we got some laughs over here. I'm I'm on somebody's street, and all of a sudden, when God's word opens, we start thinking about, oh, my gaslight is on. What is she going to say when we get in the car? Or I forgot to clean the dishes before. And I I beg you today, I won't be long. Just focus. Our, our key word is focus. Focus here, and then we'll be out. Because there are some things that are trying to download in your system that are from this world that will pull you away from God. That was kind of what was happening in the church of Corinth. Uh, As Mike already told you, uh, Paul planted that church on his second missionary journey. And this church was kind of situated in an area where all walks of life were coming. People that don't look like you and me, people who are different than us, and they formed a church. Think about this. We all come from a different background, so we were all raised differently, right? And now we're trying to form this church, and all of a sudden, some divisions start. Some people say, well, wait a minute, I am of Apollos. Well, no, I am Pastor Mike's. Well, no, I am Pastor Barry's. Say you supposed to say Amen? <laughs> no, no, no. He knows who I'm talking to. <laughs> As uh, see, see, uh, that's my friend from Disciples Path, um, and we have learned to be attracted to certain speakers. And that's what was happening there. That person may have led them to Christ, but they just wanted to stay with that person. They didn't want to grow under the various people that was teaching God's word. And so what Aaron said earlier, the central thing about what brought me here is my understanding of Mike's desire to make God's word known. That's the centerpiece of discipleship. It's not about all the the great things that we can say. It's about how can we make God's Word known to others. That is the true test of discipleship. And so this church was going through these difficult times, remembering and listening to things that were not from God's Word, but were from their past. And so if we're going to steward our minds... We need to. Re- it requires us to examine the inner disposition of the heart, which influences our outward behaviors, actions, reactions, choices, decisions, and words. That's a mouthful. Let me chop it down for you. In other words, whatever influences your heart rules your actions and behaviors. Whatever is influencing you. It's going to rule your actions and your behaviors. Uh, Look what the Word of God tells us about our heart. One of my great passages I go to all the time, Proverbs is is in wisdom literature. And so it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. In other words, life springs out of what's in your heart. Whatever's in your heart, And the writer's telling us, you need to guard your heart because the issues of life flow from that. Jesus was talking to uh, religious leaders of his day in Matthew 12, 23. He says, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And he was talking to the religious leaders And he was kind of trying to tell him, who told you guys to come? Because you don't believe in me. And then he goes on to tell him, this is the one I I want you to really zero in on. Matthew 15, 18 through 19. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles the person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimony, slander. You see how important our heart is to understand what's influencing it because that determines what comes out of your mouth. And what was happening in this church, they were not guarding their heart. They were not recognizing the issues that their heart was showing. So the question on the floor is, what is ruling your heart and my heart right now that is influencing our behaviors? What's ruling our hearts? And I dare say, a lot of times it's our flesh. I dare say, a lot of times it's not the word of God. Because we'll learn later what it looks like for the Word of God to actually be influencing our hearts. And so, as we looked at this passage and I read it, we're talking about two types of wisdom today. First type of wisdom is natural wisdom. Natural wisdom. Natural wisdom really basically deals with me, myself, and I. That's what natural wisdom is. Everybody's born with it. Uh, We all have it from birth. That's why you don't have to teach a baby how to sin, right? You tell a baby they can't have a cookie. You turn your back. What is that baby going to do? He's going to go in the cookie jar. Why? Because that's what their heart says I want. And that's why we need new hearts. That's why we need uh, God to do a work in our life. Look at what James says, the brother of Jesus James always marvels me, right? Could you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Like Jesus did nothing wrong. It's like, any, anybody got siblings in here? Have you ever blamed your sibling for something they didn't do? Don't raise your hand, it's, don't, don't raise your hand. We've all done that, if you had a sibling. Mom comes home, they did it, it wasn't me. James couldn't do that. James couldn't, I could imagine James saying, yeah, Jesus did it. And mom's like, really? <laughs> That's all you got? Jesus did it? I, and, yeah. And so let's look at the wisdom that James says, which natural wisdom looks like. Look at what he says. I'm, I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, who among you is wise and understanding? By his conduct, he should show that his words are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. But, if you have bitter envy, selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. Did you get a whiff of that? He says, first of all, it's earthly, unspiritual, and he even says demonic. Wow. And then I started, I started on a rabbit tray. We studied First John. First John 5 tells us, The whole world is under the sway or the influence of the evil one. You recognize that? The evil one has an order that he's trying to get everybody to buy into. And can you guess what that order is about? Me, myself, and I. Life's about me. Life's about my happiness. Life's about what I got. That's why John tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? Why, John? Because this world is passing away. He was giving them an understanding that the wisdom that you believe you have, it came from this world. And the reason why you're having fights is because you putting yourself at the center And that's what natural wisdom is all about, just me, myself, and I. But God's wisdom, on the other hand, James tells us, but the wisdom from above is pure. Let's stop with pure. That just means it's undefiled. That means it's not mixed with any motive outside of the will of God. That means God is not swayed by, okay, Sometimes we pray, and we ask God, like, God, if you do this, I will read my Bible every day for the next 30 days. But God, I really need you to do just this. That used to be my prayer life. That used to be how I thought I was supposed to pray. Instead of saying, not my will... Hmm, Aaron, I'm going to talk to you. They don't, they don't understand that. Aaron, me and you together. Go ahead. I have a will. Barry wants to do what Barry wants to do. I understand. I've learned the spiritual thing to say, God, you are sovereign. Mm. There is no one greater than you. That's right. Therefore, I need you to do what I need you to do for me. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Henry. Henry, help me, Henry. Henry, Henry, Henry deals with people who have all kinds of issues of uh, the inward. Henry, I'm selfish, and the only antidote for selfishness is the cross. It, it, do, do you believe that, Henry? Sure. Okay, Henry, Henry, you, you're a good, you're a good front row student. The only way that I can get this selfishness out of me, I gotta go to the cross. And what happens is, people without the spirit can't understand the cross. You gonna help me preach this thing today. It becomes foolishness to them. Because they can't understand it because it's a spiritual book. And we get upset when we share our faith with people who won't respond, and we're like, why aren't you responding? Well, let's go back to the church in Corinth, and let's understand the problems that they were having. It says, For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Cleo's family, people, that there is rivalry among you. This is a church of believers. And so there was division the happening. You know, that was a good church member. Because that church member told Paul, Paul, you're not here, but there's some things happening that you need to know about. Pastor Mike, you know all those emails you get? I'm glad you're the pastor. (laughs) I am discipleship. If you got discipleship issues, send them to me. All your other issues go to Pastor Mike. And, And he'll be glad to email you back. That's all he got. Paul got an email, right? Say there's some things happening here. Paul, that you didn't teach us, and I don't believe is correct. And Paul was like, okay, let's start dealing with it. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The heart truly reveals our condition, is our first point. He says, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people. But as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it, in fact, you're still not ready for it, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For wherever someone says, I belong to Paul, or another, I belong to Apollos, you are not acting like mere humans. Are you not acting like mere humans? Basically, Paul's just telling them, you are still acting like you don't have the Spirit of God in you. You're acting like the world when you bring those types of arguments. Those, the arguments they were having were not deep theological arguments. The arguments were, who's actually preaching? I don't like that preacher. I want my preacher. It was more about what they wanted and less about what the Word of God was saying. What happens is we get into our comfort zone. I don't like to change. How many people here? change is easy come on somebody some, Mike there you go Mike it's always one in the crowd I know the rest of you Henry for the rest of us who struggle with change there's a battle goes on right you know you need to change but that burger looks real good In my 50s, my wife feeds me salad every day of the week. Somebody said amen. And I'm so glad I work in college ministry because college ministry is in the evening. So see, she understands in the evening time when I leave the house and I had the salad, there's a five guys right around the corner. (laughs) And something within me says that five guys would be better than that salad. How many of you remember when you were younger and your parents made you eat vegetables? Did anybody scrape them off their plate into the trash when somebody turned around other than me? That's kind of what we do with the Word of God. When it doesn't, doesn't hit our palate just right, we decide, I'm going to sweep that off. I don't want that part of the doctrine. Paul was like, that's what you guys are acting like. You're acting like pure babies. I want to speak to you in spiritual terms. I want you to grow in the faith. I want you to want more, but I still got to give you the elementary doctrines of the faith. What are the elementary doctrines? I'm glad you asked. Let's go back to Roman, I mean, 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us Who are being saved. It's two people in this passage. That the cross. Is dealing with. Those who are perishing. Or people who are lost. Or people who are unregenerate. And it's the power of God. To us who are being saved. So we see. The heart just reveals our condition. By what comes out of our mouth. Look at, look at what we read earlier. Uh, verse 3 says, for I pass on to you Well, let's go over what the actual gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul was re- really wanting them to understand the gospel. He says, for I pass on to you as most important what I also received." Paul said, I'm not greater than you. I was a sinner. And Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he calls himself chief of sinners. He said Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. So understanding that the cross is all about what Christ did for humanity. He died for our sins, he didn't die for his own sins. So Paul was trying to make them understand what was real important, and there's a group of people that is perishing. But to us who believe, we are being saved. And so the heart just reflects our condition. Number two, the heart reflects your belief system. It reflects what you believe. It's in the text, it says, For since, in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and wisdom of God because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Did you, did you catch that? He's telling them this is God's plan. Salvation from beginning to end is all God's work. And he's saying, wait a minute. It was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. Let's stop right there. All he's saying is the world can't understand why we get excited about the cross. The world can't understand because... Humility is not a byproduct of the world. It's not what you get in the world. You get DIY, do it yourself. The cross is not a DIY. It's humbly come to him with your sins and let him wash you. The reason why we get so offended when somebody says that cross thing is foolishness. I was able to give my testimony yesterday at the uh, Fall Fest, and one guy said, isn't it true that Christ came just for people? I said, ooh, that's a good question. I said, yeah, he came for people like you and me, sinners. That's all you need to do is qualify. You don't have to do anything else but breathe. Breathe because we were born in iniquity. We inherit sin, right? And the only remedy for sin is the cross. The reason why we don't get excited, because we forgot what it looks like to walk in sin. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not all the way glorified yet. I still got to go through sanctification. That means the process of becoming more like Christ. And that process is painful at times. It's painful because somebody shows you your blind spots, right? How many people like to have constructive criticism? And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. She going to help me preach the sermon. Okay, it's feedback. (laughs) I remember being in college. I'm in seminary. I got to write this paper. Henry, you'll like this. I wrote that paper. I read all the research. I synthesized all the material. I said, This is the A. Mike? I said, this is an A. I went in there boldly. I said, Professor, you want to use this as the standard. (laughs) Don't worry about anybody else. Use my paper. Jim, I'm going to come down for this, Jim. I may need you to pat me on the back. No, not with, no. Jim's going back before Christ. He picked up a weapon. That paper had more red than blood that I ever saw. And he said, Mr. Brown, you forgot to answer the question that I asked you. He said, if you'd like in those margins, I gave you hints of what you could do differently. And if you get it back to me within a week, I'll act like you never turned in this paper. Uh-oh, now you're walking down my street. That's called grace. I went home and I, and I cried on my wife's shoulders. I'm like, hey, what happened? From then on, I learned that I need an editor. I need somebody to proofread what I wrote to make sure the assignment is what it's supposed to be. God's given us the greatest editor. That's the Holy Spirit who resides in us, that knows our motives, that understands why we did what we did. And sometimes the Spirit edits what we did, and we get upset. Oh, I get upset, I ain't gonna say you get upset. I get upset, my wife says, that's just a rough draft. I was like, no, this is the finished product. She's like, no, no. And she has a way of cocking her head to the side and just, when she starts shaking, Vicki laughs, because Vicki's a professor. And she just starts laughing, buries the draft. I said, no, I think I answered all there. No, Barry, it's a draft. Reread it. How many people like to reread your work? No. Pastor, Pastor Mike said no. <laughs> Talk to my wife. Tell her it's okay to do one draft. <laughs> but the reality is that draft reflected what was in my heart, the pride that says it was perfect. And what happens is... People that live in the world have that pride. They have no other way. They can't do anything different. So they continue to say, Jews are like, I'm looking for a Messiah that looks the way I want him to look. They're going to get me out of this Roman oppression. He's going to come through smashing and, and he's going to wipe out the Roman Empire. Nope. So that's why the gospel was a stumbling block to them. We all have a picture of God that's not true. We create a God in our minds that God hasn't revealed in his word. That's why we need to go back to the word so that we understand who God is. Salvation, justification is just the beginning of a journey of becoming more like Christ. Do you know that's your end goal to become more like Christ in your thinking? in your attitude, in how you respond to others. And some days I just fail. Just like that paper. But thanks be to God for his grace that gives me the opportunity to do over. That's why we have to deconstruct that belief system that was already the original operating system. We've got to get into God's Word so that we get excited about the cross. We get excited about talking about what Christ has done. We get excited about being new and being found in Him. Not only does the heart reflect your belief system, the heart is regenerated by the Spirit. Look at what it says. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance and speech, of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with Pervasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith may not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. We need the Spirit's power to regenerate our hearts. A lot of times I told you we have an operating system that starts with natural wisdom. How many people have computers? How many people do your updates regularly? You get those, see? You're working on an old operating system. I'm gonna help you today. There are people trying to steal your information. And every so often, you get these updates and they come across your computer, right? And we, I look at them and I'm like, oh, my computer's gonna be down. But I've learned to update. It downloads, right? Doesn't actually hit your computer until you do what? Help me? Reboot? Restart? Say it loud and proud. Say it louder. Apply. You got to hit that little word says apply. I used to just reboot my computer and think that was apply. I have a friend, Pastor Ron, knows computers inside and out. I'm like, Ron, I did this update, but the computer's still acting funny. He would just say, did you hit apply? I thought that was automatic when I rebooted. It's like, no, you got to tell the computer to apply it. I think too many times we have not applied the cross to our lives. We forget who we are, and we have not applied it. So therefore, we're not walking in the love that's in the cross. We're not walking in the forgiveness in the cross. We're not walking in the cross. We're causing people to think that we're believers, but we haven't actually applied the cross to our lives daily. It's not a once thing. We need to learn to apply the cross Daily And so, in closing, Paul gives us what it looks like for believers to apply the cross. Look what he says in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Paul tells us, take off your former ways of life, the old self, that is corrupted by deceitful desires. That's the old operating system. To renew... To be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Daily Valley, we've got to take off the old self. We've got to renew our minds with the truth of the word of God. And we've got to walk in the newness of life. That means we got to love people. That means we got to be kind to everyone that comes in our path. That means wherever you go, you represent Christ. You know why? Because he's giving you his spirit as a down payment. Let the spirit override your old system so that when people step on your toes, you don't do what Jim did. He picked up that cane. He was going to hit me with it. I'm from the streets. You've never blessed with a cane. That's a weapon. The challenge for you and the challenge for me. Let the cross be your guide daily. Remember what Christ did for you. Let that transform you from the inside out. It's just not for justification. It's for sanctification as well. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here today, and you never put your trust in Christ. You never hit that word apply. Today is a great day. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe you're here, and you just need a reboot. You just need somebody to pray with you. Uh, Pastor Mike will be down. I'll be down front. Whatever God's calling you to today, respond. Don't just hear a message. Respond. Walk in it. Let's stand while Aaron and the praise team comes uh, to lead us in song.